Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. We're coming back from the West. Looking real good. Nets fans, let's talk a little basketball. How you like me now? I go blah. That's the shit that moves crowd. Making every ghetto foul. Let Samuel. I really like the way our team looks coming off this West Coast trip. I feel like the pieces are in the right place. I feel like the attitude is right. I I I don't see too much wrong, man. I I I want you to play devil's advocate though. Right? Not not to look for wrong, but give me and the Python listenership a uh a uh you know, a state of the union, so to speak. You know, where where are we right now, Sam? Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I agree with you. I think there's there's a lot to be uh, content with right now. I mean, the West Coast trip was awesome, even considering how many people were out and them just plugging in different players and it working well. I mean, I think the if you have trepidation about the team, it's that, you know, long-term, how is this all going to work integrating everybody back in specifically Kyrie and also what's going to happen if there's, if there's another COVID spell, like how, I mean, you know, people were saying this about the NFL and I think it's true with the NBA, having your team vaccinated and boosted is actually now going to become a competitive advantage. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how vaccinated the Nets are right now and I'm and I'm curious to to to, to find out but I'm hoping they they do everything in their power to besides Kyrie who I would assume at this point you know we we haven't talked about the Kyrie thing in a little bit but I assume at this point he's both not going to get vaccinated and I uh expect um Mayor Adams to probably change the mandate rules given that every other city seems to be giving exemptions to athletes I wouldn't expect it, but I wouldn't. Listen, when someone is a politician, right? The it's the mood. <laughs> the mood could decide whether he does something or or, or does not or, or does not. What are people's mood? The thing about Om, Omni Omicron, excuse me. <laughs> I I want to call him home, Omicron because of my. Uh, you don't know what Transformers is, Sam. But anyway, um, if if Omicron, you know, hits people, but the death rate doesn't skyrocket, we're still about two weeks away, three weeks away from really knowing how this uptick is affecting the death rate. 
it may be politically okay if people are just getting sick. If the hospitals start to be able to to uh, uh, manage the um, the the stress on you know having all these people uh, catch it, uh, puts on hospitals and and the resources in the city. I I think he would do it. Um, only because I'm not seeing the death rate numbers. So he could politically, um, you know, with have the political cover of at the time of making the decision, people weren't dying. Now, at this time right now, people are, the infection rate is super high. But if the death rate, which is, you know, like I said, you're not going to see for another two weeks what what the death rate is looking like. If the death rate makes it politically untenable, then I, I can't see it happening, Sam. I, um, but at the same time, if it's if it's good, and trust me, things like the Nets winning a championship, things like things like the mood and the attitude of the constituency, or, or sometimes referred to as the mob, it, that that's going to play into how this decision gets made. So he's a politician. Expect him to do a political thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I look, I, I think I think me and you were rightfully thought it was crazy that he was going to um, ease up any mandate considering that everything that was going on in the world. And I agree with you that it still does seem kind of like a far fetched idea. It just does seem like now he has some uh, and this is obviously in a, a political podcast, but I think right. he does have some political breathing room. Yeah, if Boston did it, look, they did it. Boston, L.A. did it. You yeah, know. like, I mean, every it seems like every city besides San Francisco, and I think that the entire Warriors are vaccinated, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, right. I mean, Boston, Philly, L.A., the state – when I found out that, that there was, like, a Staples Center loophole that, like, no one really ever talked about that mm-hmm. – because L.A. was always mentioned as one of the teams that was as strict as New York and San Francisco, but it seemed like that was – not the case, and so I think not, as they these, snuck something in there very recently. Yeah, so it seems like as all these East Coast cities, you know, do what they're doing and giving exemptions to athletes, and I'm sure it'll continue to go even to maybe more bluer or purple cities. I think that I think it does give um, it gives Adam some leash in order to be able to to make a small change. And honestly, I think like a couple months ago, I would have said would have been political suicide but i think that you know it's at at this point it probably wouldn't even be that big of a deal at this point like look we've been good in new york (laughs) we've actually we don't have a high rate of anti-vax you know folks here we're we're well above 80 percent um but where we've been bad (laughs) is in neighborhoods where people like me live like well in my neighborhood where i live uh, used to be very brown place. It's not a brown place anymore. It's a, it's, it's like the United Nations where I live in Bed Stuy now. Um, um, however, where where people like me who look like me, black people, live in the city, uh, COVID is is high and and the death rate is high and the death rate is higher than the rest of the city. And so, um, our first African American mayor. And since David Dinkins, um, which that goes back to 1990, uh, uh, our first African-American mayor in the city is not going to take the first few months 
to make to to be seen as someone who's irresponsible or makes a blunder in terms of the optics, in terms of you know uh, uh, an influence that that a person like Kyrie has, he's got to be responsible. Understanding that if he makes new rules for Kyrie, uh, he's he's also talking to his uh, black constituency. Now that may not even matter. That it it may matter more that the people who can afford to buy seats in in Barclay Center are are happy. Um, I can't I can't answer that at all. Like, um, I I I will admit that in my conversations with with the mayor, I would be embarrassed to <laughs> to take that opportunity to speak to New York City's mayor to talk about Kyrie. But uh, he knows I'm a Nets fan. He knows I'm I'm. Uh, I make uh, Nets content, and um, and we did have a little joke about it. I think it's crazy, though, Sam, that Nets fans are tweeting at him, uh, uh, and some of that trickles in. Uh, Nets fans who aren't even from the city are, are tweeting at him, telling him what he should do, should and shouldn't do in terms of the uh, of the mandate. That's that to me is unacceptable behavior and crazy because at the same time if you would dare dare uh, uh tweet at Kyrie to get vaccinated the the Kyrie flying monkeys would uh appear and, and attack you on Twitter so I don't see why uh someone who has a serious job to do uh a constituency to look after and you know a, a collective psyche that he's trying to move into the direction of doing what's good for the public health it's it's insane that we would be infants and attack this man um, uh, because you want Kyrie to be able to do whatever he wants and, and play unvaxxed. Right. That's silly. No, I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I look. Me and you are in lockstep on on this issue and have been the whole year. Of like and and going uh, and going full circle i mean it's that is honestly besides injury which is always a thing especially with the big three i mean that's the thing i'm most concerned about like what i don't want to have happen is the nets in a fight for you know to get the one seed late in april or whenever or you know they're in the playoffs and then there's some isolation thing where they have to be out for more days because they're not vaccinated whatever do you think the one seed matters I have a wacky theory about the one seed and how they think how the team looks at it. I think they I think they clearly care about it because the lack of <coughs> the lack of um, re- the lack of rest that KD had for a while, even when their record was great, I think shows that they definitely they definitely care. I mean, there were multiple games that he could have sat that we thought that I was asking for him to sit. Um, and you would and you would text me back being like, "Dude, this guy is playing every game because he." freaking loves the sport and you got like and you were right and like and so i i don't know i think that if i think if they didn't care about it they would have dropped a couple of games and kd and harden wouldn't have played in a couple of games already i think they definitely won i mean look right now right now they they would play you know like the winner of whatever the the playing bullshit would be with between like the hornets and the wizards and the celtics um and then in the second round they'd have the winner of the Heat and the Cavs, and they would avoid the Bulls and the Bucks until the until the finals, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, which I think does matter. I think I think people are incorrectly uh, viewing what Kevin Durant cares about. 
I want to I want to speak on this because <laughs> it's so important to me that Kevin Durant's experience in New York is is a great one to the point where you, like like someone like Clyde he won a championship here he lives you know locally when he doesn't you know live in the islands um you know but he owns the city. He's he's the last champion uh, in NBA basketball that we've had. And, you know, there's an asterisk next to Dr. J's. Like, you know, I, I think he cherishes his, his uh, Dr. J cherishes his Nets championship. It felt very real to him. And the best players, uh, at least in to two players were playing in the ABA. It was a very similar thing. And I think that championship deserves to be appreciated. But Kevin Durant, I think, has this worldview of himself, of what he could be. And I, I like to call it the LeBronification of superstardom. Because when Michael Jordan did it, when Larry Bird did it, when when even Isaiah, those guys, they didn't cash in on superstardom. The way LeBron, you know, cashes and like, like there's no doubt LeBron is going to own a team and 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 all of those things. But the hierarchy of who, when you know, of who is the greatest and what they play this game for, it's clear for me. It's clear to me that that one, the first boxes that KD needed to tick was I need to just get a couple of championships out of the way. Boom. That's the Golden State Warrior experience. Now, I need to add uh, at least Kobe level of 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 MVPs. That's that's what he's going for this year. I, not not that he's like the type of dude to be butthurt about about you know winning an MVP because he's. I'm not saying he's that, but I think he's he's that dude that wants that his competitive spirit wants to lead this 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 game being able to say that he was one of like you you got to talk about him with Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan and LeBron. You got to have the conversation uh, you've got to mention Kevin Durant when you have when you mention those names, when you mention um Bill Russell, when you when you mention Dr. J, you have to talk about Kevin Durant and I think it's that wide of a conversation but i think it's it's it, it's obvious he's playing for more and, and that and that actually feeds into the uh the Kyrie conversation too i think i think Kevin Durant and and Harden were cool with what the decision the team made but at the end of the day they were looking at the minutes that KD was racking up the pressure right. and the toll that they was putting on his body and they decided they said for this man's legacy who's committed to us, who's given us everything that we wanted. Like, why are we punishing? Who does it, Who does Kyrie really hurt in this whole thing if it's not Kevin Durant? Because nobody's going to say, oh, he picked the wrong teammate. Yeah, that's part of the superstar, like, like, GOAT conversation. Who, which teammates did you pick? Who, did you get enough pieces around yourself to win it all? And so, if, I don't think it would be in the best interest of the Nets or in Kevin Durant to let to to let that dude down because 
what he's what he's attempting to go for is special, and I'm just happy enough to be able to say that I'm from Brooklyn, or or like how you're able to say you've rooted for this logo, for this laundry for so long that we deserve to be a part of of, of this magnificent ride if we get the, to the end and whatever obstacle I think we all should be in support of seeing Kevin Durant's vision through because he's brilliant. He's freaking brilliant, y'all. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything you said. I, I think this, the, the smartest point in the entire thing, which I know is basically your overall theme, was like the, the, the really, at the end of the day, as much as bringing back Kyrie was about trying to win, it really is basically just about KD, which I told, look, a lot of the things that I was nervous about and me and you were nervous about with this whole thing going on was like the wear and tear on him. And like, we know that this is not a, uh, this, the NBA season is a slog. Like to me, the, yeah. the, the season already feels like it's been going on forever. We're not even at the halfway point. We're, we're actually, I think exactly at like, I saw somebody tweet, like, I think we're at like 40% through the season. Like, and we got to go through like another, you know, 60% more of the season. Right. Plus three, All star game. Three, three, yeah, the East all-star game plus three Eastern conference playoff series and then the finals like if they were to you know knock on wood to get there so like yeah and and so imagine you had that game um the other night that uh that that kevin had imagine you had that game and you go up to joe size office or you walk up to clara side and say i'm tired clara i'm i'm giving it all my all i want us to get the 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 um the one seat but I need help, Kyra. This is crazy what's going on. Like, Joe and Clara, they're going to be like, I know where we stand on this Vax thing, but we can't, we got to protect KD. Like, if you're if you're Joe Psy and KD comes to, you, comes, comes to you, Sam, and says, I'm tired, I need help, what do you say? Yeah, no, I mean, there's, I mean, that, that, it was the only, they, they, they had to do it. They, I mean, like, what are you going to say? You, you can't keep penalizing the guys who are doing the right thing by getting vaccinated and playing right. by, by, you know, by, by keeping out a guy who isn't like technically following the, uh, the rules. It just, it's not, I mean, unless they just, and, and, and I think we, what I think actually became really, really clear from this entire saga that happened, um, and I know that some people have had conflicting reports about did like Rich Kleiman or KD and or Harden, his agent, go meet with Marks or Cy, or maybe it was just the players or just the agents, whatever it well, was. Well, they, like, they it, debunked that. They said that every all parties said that that's not true. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that some some uh some machination of that didn't occur i'm sure there was some there was some way that that did happen and i don't think kevin durant has to if he has something to say to joe saw i think if if cam thomas has something to say to joe saw it may take him 30 to 60 days to get to have that conversation um but i think if kevin durant has something he wants to say to joe saw or sean marks that he all he needs to do is maybe like wink or give a little shoulder signal or whatever, and Josiah will parachute out of the air and land in front of KD's feet and, and talk to him. I I I don't I don't know why 
reporters or writers felt they needed to add that little that little piece to it where they say uh uh where they where they get to say um things like oh the agents uh uh you know, called a, a, an emergency meeting. No, 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 it doesn't matter. Like, I believe that Kevin Durant, and it's strictly belief, it's not based on on this person is more uh, reliable than this person, or I believe this report over that person. I just personally believe Kevin Durant walked away from the last game and was like, yo, I'm tired, yeah. and um, I didn't come here to lose. Like, like, so, so I guess, and we're not going to change this dude's mind. And he said this before. He said, we're not going to change Kyrie's mind. We know that. So, so we just got to keep going my, forward. I guess my overall point about uh, about what's going on is that it's clear that basically whatever um, free reign we thought that Sean Marks had is clearly not really there because – it basically seems like trading Kyrie was absolutely never an option. And, and I think that was actually something that I think like based off of the way that things were going should have been more on the table because I think that if he wasn't, you know, if he, if he really was going to be like, I am not going to ever get vaccinated. And this is also before we thought that the mandate was going to change. Um, but if that was actually a possibility, it seemed like, look like they might have to just move on from this experiment, but it's clear that, I think KD, one way or another, is like we're rotting uh, or dying with the ship, and like this is happening with the with the with the big three. Right, and I I think I think at the same time we've found out a lot about Kyrie. I think the team has found out a lot about Kyrie. Um, um, I I think I think their love for Kyrie, especially when it comes to Kevin Durant, like I don't know if if. Harden loves Kyrie. I know Harden wants to fucking win. Yep. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, and he was like, with Kyrie back, my job is a whole lot easier. And and we're going to win. And to see that video of this dude where we could, we could disagree philosophically on how he's gotten to this point. Is it poor form maybe that he didn't eat well during the off season or that he waited during in, inside of the season? Like, one, none of us could prove any of that. And two, all we have is James Harden's history. And James Harden's history is that he when it he wants to win, he wants to play, he doesn't miss games. He's like the opposite of Kyrie Irving in every single way, except for the fact that though the, the circuitous routes that they take to being great is completely different. Their upbringing is completely different, but what they want to do and what they're able to do is deliver basketball in a level that only five other human beings on earth can do that. And, but the thing that separates them is, I don't think you could ever get James Harden to say basketball isn't the most important thing to me. Yeah. Basketball, he unabashedly says basketball gave me everything I own, everything I have, and the effect that I'm able to put on the, to make on the world. 
that was given to me in basketball. And I started that journey at Artesia High, Artesia, uh, um, uh, High School in Compton. Uh, you know, for him to, like, I don't think pe people are so caught up in people's image or what they imagine someone is that they don't listen to what they say. And for that guy to understand that I started becoming good at this sport and everything that I am, you know, or that or the good that I'm able to do and improvements I'm able to do in the world, I'm able to do it because of this journey that I started at this high school playing this game. And it's just refreshing, man. Did you see the video of him uh, uh, working out after yeah, um, I love, I love the game? That. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, I mean, I also particularly love that, and I'm taking, you know, a couple of victory laps right now because Harden has now said on two different outlets that he had to lose weight and wasn't in shape, like uh, was in proper basketball shape, which is something I got killed can, for on Twitter for most can of I, the... Can I, can I say something? Like, yeah. I, I really hate that you guys get your panties in a bunch about our basketball takes. I don't want to be right. I want to be a champion. I want to be no, a part of a championship. I'm, like, if I make a critique or if Sam makes a critique, it's not like we were on James Harden is going to be fat forever. Like, nobody, I, one, I never believed that. Me and you kind of had oh, our rare moments where we don't, like, one of the things people complain about the show is that we don't um, argue enough. Um, no, we're not going to stage our arguments. Like, we like doing the pod together because... We could kind of unwind our ideas together and 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 see see what's wrong and right. But people are gonna be wrong and right. You, what you have to what you have to uh, appeal to and what you have to understand is the energy behind all of this that we do. The fact that that we would would spend our lazy one of our lazy twelve days of Christmas to make this podcast for everyone. It just goes to show that we're not in it for for the cloud or to 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 be the next skip bayless we're in it because we love the team and we love we love dissecting and analyzing it to the point of uh that we feel you know intrinsically a part of the this this movement that is the brooklyn nets like i i don't get these attacks from people on twitter to you sam like like what you were advocating for was wrong he needs to be in better shape uh, and I, I was less worried because I realized NBA players sometimes they just get into shape <laughs> during the season. I've seen them do it. Yeah, LeBron think, does it so in some ways. So it, it is what it is. What I think is weird about the fan base is that there's a little bit of like this: if you don't say something that's a thousand percent positive, then it means that you're like that 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 your fandom is not as strong. When it's like it's actually the opposite. Like it was. Like, to me, it was just – it was clear. Look, as I said to you multiple times, I told you and Bam, like, I bet money on Harden winning MVP because I thought he was going to legitimately come in firing, pissed about the hamstring thing happening last year. And whether whether he was out of shape because of the hamstring or what, like whatever it was, it was just clear he wasn't himself. And then as we saw, which I know we'll get back to, like, those two games in Los Angeles were a – like, I mean, what he did in L.A. and I know, you know, like – 
Uh, Lakers were were missing a couple people. Obviously, the Clippers were missing a couple people, but like so were we. Obviously, like yeah. he completely dissected those two teams. Like it was it was at Kill. the point where I was watching those games and I was like, if we had Harden and four people from Nets Twitter, like I think it would have been relatively competitive because he was just getting whatever he wanted. Listen, Harden Harden agreed with you. That that's. That's what everyone should be taking from from what you know him him emerging like me. I've always had the slant of ah he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna he's gonna thaw out, right. and and he's gonna so, be right, fine, like, right? But that but that I I didn't hear what you said. But I, I let me finish this real quick. That doesn't change you that you were right. He said I had to lose some weight. I had to 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 work out a little bit during this break. Now, was it a huge amount? It was only like what, two weeks, three weeks, but at the same time, he said with his own mouth, "I had to get in better shape," which is what you advocated for, Sam. Which is fine. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it, I mean, it, look, it doesn't make any sense. I'm happy that look if he if he keeps this up. The best thing about this is that if he plays at this level, then I feel more confident. Even if this Kyrie thing becomes a, he's there fifty percent of the time or whatever. Um, like then I think they actually could still win because I mean the way Harden looked in those past two games, that was Houston Harden basically. That was yeah. like. That was like, I am going to win this game, whether it's four G-leaguers or two NBA players and one G-leaguer, whatever it is. Like, Can I say it's... something that may not be popular and, and people are, are going to get in an uproar of, over? I really think if this is the version of James Harden we're going to get, I think it would have been more important that we got Joe, Joe Harris back than it is getting Kyrie back. Oh. And I and I preface that to say, if we get Kyrie back, like let's say we get Kyrie back versus getting um, Joe Harris back, and we and somehow catastrophe happens, we don't get, get Joe Harris back. I think it's more important to be able to space the floor, just having him there as a decoy, because I I don't even Patty Mills is not as good of a just open shot, just hit hit a jumper and I think people are more scared of and that's and that's what more pacing is more about is is your reputation from three um and whether or not and whether or not um uh uh they believe you're gonna make it so that you they believe you should be defended I feel like Joe Harris was a more mandatory thing to get back than than Kyrie Irving. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I really believe that be, because of what we found in Bembry and and the resurgence of Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton coming back, Joe Harris coming back has so much to do with us winning. It's so important to our winning that I know you're going to... Now, now I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell me why... That controversial statement is is wrong. No, I actually, I actually, uh, I actually, we're, I actually do agree with you. And I was actually going to take it a step further and say, do you think, do you think that if, um, 
you know, my, 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 my dad actually posed this question to me. I think it's a good question I wanted to ask to you. Do you think that if Harden looked like this a couple weeks ago, that that Nash and that Marks and Cy and Nash would have pushed harder back on KD being like, we need Kyrie back because they would have been like, look, it looks like James is different. Or do you think those two things are basically not even really related? I don't, I don't think they're related because of the amount of effort they have to exert yeah. to get to this point. What Kyrie does for you, and which is why it's hard to say what I'm saying, but what Kyrie does for you is it's another horse that pulls the tractor or that, that pulls the cart. You know what I'm saying? Like he, what Kyrie does is KD's minutes are going to go down to 29, 31, 32 versus 38, 39, 40. And that is important in a different way than when, when I'm, I'm just talking about the level of quality of basketball because the next thing I want to talk about is starting fives. Now that we got Kyrie back, now that we've now that we've discussed as much as there is to discuss that we went to LA, 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 big city of dreams. Um and and you know, we 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 uh, got some revenge for Snoop Dogg crushing the buildings so long ago. Um um now that we've gotten all that conversation out of the way, we got to talk about who plays, right? <laughs> who's your starting five um, and who who's your ending five? I think that's almost as important as who starts. But who's going to start games for you and who's going to be the five that's on the floor to end games for you in the playoffs? Not regular season, in the playoffs. So, I mean, I think a lot, I mean, I guess we're, we're talking about this from a general perspective, right? Cause so, cause the NBA is now all matchup dependent. I mean, I, I saw what you, what, um, what you had tweeted and I do agree with you. I mean, I think that that quote unquote, like death type lineup with the big three plus Harrison Mills is like a <laughs> offensive, like, I don't even know what the right, I don't even have the right word for it. I, it. I call, I call that lineup the oblivion. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's basically impossible to it's basically impossible to guard, and like it honestly isn't even like a horrendous defensive lineup because I think Patty's actually shown something on defense, and in the playoffs, like I was impressed with Kyrie and uh, and Harden's defense before like pre injuries. So like it's it, it like it like it's not like you know have you, there's not a massive massive weak link in it, but I do think. Um, I do think that Patty has never shot this wide open in his career. No, right, exactly. Like, and right. but I also agree with you what you said in that you know, like you got to have Claxton in there to to a certain extent. The only the only issue I have, and I know that um, Bam feels strongly about this, and I do agree with him. Claxton is an unbelievable like perimeter on ball defender, and he's. Mm-hmm. Also, he actually has become really good at altering shots in the paint. And even they play blocking. different defense when Claxton plays. When but Claxton's he, off the floor, they don't um, switch. But, but the, when but Claxton's the, on the floor, they switch, but and, the it, only, and they should. The only thing that he really does struggle with is he's just not—he's just not a great rebounder. And the issue is that when you have him in, 
you basically either need KD to play a like a really large rebounding role, which is obviously a little concerning, and or you need to have one of the other bigs in, if like assuming that there's another big playing on the floor who can rebound because because of his because of his issues. And so then then you get into a little bit of an offensive issue because let's say Claxton's in, they're getting killed on the boards. All right, that means that you have to put in LaMarcus or Blake, which does hurt the spacing, even though LaMarcus obviously has shot really well this year, and maybe LaMarcus is the right guy to pair them with. But then you just got to be more careful on who the other three are in, right? Because you can't – it seems like in the playoffs you can't have a lineup that has Claxton and Bembry – and like probably Aldridge, because then you just have you have too many guys who really don't have a reliable three point shot in there. Um, yeah. yeah, I the the way I see it is when a game starts, right? You don't want to start a game with 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 jump shooting per se. You don't want to you don't want to try to bury a team. You want to basically give them body blows early on, mix in those those you know shit house uh, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge front court combinations. That that'll see that'll see uh, some extended minutes with with one of KD Kyrie, or um, or James, and or two, in in different mixes. Which is the more I think about it, it's more how embarrassing the riches are on on this team. But when you end games, when 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 the game starts to go downhill, and that's at the end of games typically in the NBA, like the you know the first three quarters it's a it's a slog fest it's a you know it's it's a game of runs but then in the fourth quarter when you want to have a team so uh, so I didn't even say what my lineups are so my my lineup would be would be to start the games would be Harden Kyrie KD Bembry Mm -hmm. right in a pseudo four position right that lets KD and him, uh, let's let's KD and Bembry kind of interchange between, you know, four, three and four, like where it's beneficial, and then have Claxton um, um, play the other side. And the reason why you do that is because you have just a ton of dependable scoring. You need a little bit of defense. Make it a, a, a make them have to play. Or, or or be concerned about scoring at first, and then you end games with Harden, Kyrie, Mills, Joe, and you play Kevin Durant at the five, which is something you've never heard me say. But at the end of games, you just you're just putting teams away. You're playing downhill basketball. You're just basically uh, putting a team out there that that. Uh, that just can't be guarded, and then, and then uh, another way of looking at that team, right? Is right. You've got a thirty-four percent shooter in Harden, yep. right? <laughs> Who I think is that number by the end of the season be close to thirty-six or thirty-eight. Yep. You've got a forty percent three-point shooter in Kyrie. Right as your second player on the court, <laughs> then your four, your third player on the court is a forty four percent shooter in in uh, Joe Harris, and a forty six percent shooter in 
and and a much more clutch shooter who's never shot this wide open in his life in Patty Mills. And then you've got 45% three-point shooter last year in KD. This that is the oblivion five, ladies and gentlemen. You you can't death lineup. There was weaknesses in the death line. There are no weaknesses in this lineup. You so can't guard two, this lineup. I have two comments here. I'm going to start from the back, um, which is the, the death lineup. The thing that I like the most about the Oblivion death lineup is that we've seen that the Nets kind of, um, at the end of games, let up on leads. And I think that mm-hmm. that lineup basically, as you said, puts the uh, – <laughs> basically stops all – possible bleeding because you have the five most skilled and best offensive players on which i right. which i love you, um you could play downhill basketball is, is what i mean like you could yeah. you could have the ball in Kyrie's hand dribble penetrate you know with with reckless abandon and then you're kicking you're not even thinking about who you're kicking to you're just kick, like you're just kicking the ball left and right and then if you are a defense and you have a wing of Joe Harris on the left hand side, and and Patty Mills on the on the right hand side, and you've got Kyrie and Harden at the top of the key. What do you do? There's nothing you can do. It's over. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I also think so. Do you think in in commenting on the starting lineup because your starting lineup right has. I know Bembry's been shooting decently from corner threes, but he's obviously not like a quote-unquote three-point shooter. So do you basically think, and I honestly now I'm having a hard time remembering what it was like having all three of them on the floor at once. Do you think that you can have Bembry and Claxton with those big three because the big three are uh, are so, so good that it doesn't really matter if you don't have two good shooters with them or at least one other shooter with them? So... To start the game, like, I'm one of those believers that you should start the game with a dunk, a pick and roll, a set play. Yeah, I like um, that. Hard, hard, to, hard to do when you have the three players that... When you have Kyrie KD and James Harden, the best offense might just be ISO, like, take turns basketball. The, the worst form of basketball there is, but... It doesn't work because you usually at the at best have two guys that are really good to to play one on one. But the Nets have three guys that if you were saying who are the three best one on one players in, in basketball, you probably wouldn't say LeBron James. It's a different question than asking who's the best basketball player. You're the best basketball player to me is probably Giannis. Just if I'm being honest in terms of everything Giannis does and how dependable he is um, um, health-wise. But the greatest basketball players, KD, won. And the best one-on-one players in the world is Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. So the best offense to start a game um, uh, is going to have some ISO in it. But in that ISO or in that pick and roll, throw a lob, get an easy two, get someone who's gonna you know do a poke steal, and 
um, get the ball into the backcourt and, 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 and run in and, and dunk it like, like Bembry. Set the game up. Set, set games up where you're giving people body blows and then you're ending games downhill. Like, I don't think, I don't think Steve Nash could even, you know, I think he could close games with that lineup that I suggested. I don't think Steve Nash could start games like that. Um, there'd be too much pressure to play Patty Mills or, or Joe Harris. But the other reason why I like them not starting is that you can go to rotations where you never have an offensive deficit. You don't need, um, need more offensive scoring in in the lineup when you have Kyrie, KD, and, and, and James Harden. You don't need more. You almost need, you know, guys to just keep people honest, like someone you could throw a lob to. Right. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I love that lineup. I, it, do you think in any way does – does Steve Nash apply any of my crazy ideas? Yeah, I mean, I totally think so. I actually think your initial, the the initial group that you came up with, look, I, I mean, I think Harris will probably may, still be the starter, but in a lot of ways, yeah. I think against like a team like the, um, I, I think in a lot of ways with a team like the Bucks, I think that lineup with Benbury and Claxton, I actually think yes. it makes sense. And that's, and that's who I'm thinking about. Like, I'm thinking about, you can't stop Giannis, right? But you definitely can't stop Giannis with with Joe Harris. But with Bembry, you at least could get him off of his game a little bit, like give him something to think about, so that in the late part of the game, you know, you know what I mean. When yeah. when it's just gonna be like, can you catch us? Can you keep us from scoring? And can we keep, you know, and can you score enough to to make a run at us and if you could play that that five, that oblivion five that I that I that I drew up, I think that that um, I think that's an impossible team to beat. That's a that's a, like you can't close out that team, not only because it could shoot threes, but when you have Patty and uh, uh, Joe Harris on the wings, you know early on that pairing could make. LaMarcus Aldridge a better offensive choice. That pairing could make James Johnson a better offensive choice when you have at the top of the key a James Harden, a Kyrie Irving. Like, you can have it where you never have an offensive loss of, you know, like I I, I don't want Bembry playing with, with LaMarcus Aldridge. That's creating less space for him. I'd prefer... Bembry playing in a, with a group that they don't need him to score never, and when he does, it's all it is is a is, is a bonus. Yeah, I no, I I'm I'm with you. I think I think I think those lineups are fun, and I think here's where's yours? I'm waiting for yours. To Give be honest, your five. I, think, I think I think what you came, I think so. I think the Oblivion lineup is amazing, and that one I that one I. Really, I really like, especially if they need to just kind of like put their foot on the gas and just destroy teams. Because I think that lineup's basically impossible to defend. Um, I think that I would. I mean, look, the only switch I could possibly make is like with that initial lineup, you maybe take out, uh, you maybe take out Bembry and you put in Harris if you want more shooting. I also think, you know, I do wonder with if they play 
the the Sixers or the Bucks, and you're and let's say if Brook is back, and or you have Giannis, plus with the Sixers if you have Embiid, can you do a lineup that has you know the big three to start out or even to close? Can you with- do the big three plus? LaMarcus and Ben or yeah, or LaMarcus and Claxton or can you, Mm. I mean, LaMarcus and Blake hasn't, hasn't, has never worked together um, for a lot. They're just too slow on switching and it doesn't work, but so which maybe, yeah, maybe you're maybe LaMarcus and Claxton can work together. I just think like Claxton to me is almost someone like at this point, he's good at altering shots, but from a rebounding perspective, I just have no faith in him, which is why, I would almost rather have him guard Middleton or something like that in a Buck series, like, mm. like just har- like just harass the shit out of out of Middleton on the perimeter. Yeah, no, that's that's I love Bemry Bemry in that role to at least you you just you're not gonna stop these players, but you just need players that are knock them off kilter. I I think that like the reason why I can't be mad about the Javon Carter signing is because I think what they said was. Hey, we just need someone to just latch on to to Holiday for ten minutes and not let him have those runs when he has the teams by himself in a second unit that he could just, you know, eat into a, a lead or 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 you know, kind of like start a, a a run for a team. And you know, Javon Carter has failed at that because I like my problem with Javon Carter is not that he can't shoot. You know, fine, he can't shoot. Um, but his defense is not good, and he's undersized too. So and he can't run a team like he has no point guard skills. So what is he here for? Um, uh, the only thing that I'm not happy about is, is him, and um, uh, I would love to see Kessler Edwards take his place in the, on the squad. But th- I, I also think they need another uh, point guard, and I think I think uh, uh, Sean Marks will rectify that. Javon Carter is not the answer to any questions, but. But that being said, I like that five with LaMarcus and um, uh, maybe a Claxton or LaMarcus and a Bemry, especially when you're going up against um, uh, uh, a, um, a Bucks. But against the I like I like what the Nets do to the Sixers now, like this, the Nets just use their speed, their speed and their shooting. And like once when when uh uh uh. Embiid sees us make a couple of threes. He then starts shooting threes, and that puts his team in a in a horrible position. So if we see them in the playoffs. I don't even care how we play. We're just gonna slap them. It's it's really more about um where uh uh it, how we uh figure out a way to counter attack uh what the Bucks do. Yeah, I so this is my last point that, that I have about this so because because you almost you almost brought it up with the Javon Carter stuff I think one of the things that was so great about what we saw over the last two to three weeks is that even without Kyrie and without Joe Harris and then all the guys in protocol we saw that Sean Marks really knows how to well, we already knew this but we saw that Marks really knows how to draft and like we saw good stuff from Cam Thomas we saw good stuff from Kessler Edwards we saw good stuff from Dayron Sharp and uh uh, I mean, it just seems like almost everybody they plugged and played, like, really stepped up. But the question is, like, it does seem like they still do need another ball handler. But I also am at the point where, look, they have no first round. I think they have, like, no first round picks they can trade. They have very few seconds, if at all, from the from the DeAndre trade. 
And I think their biggest trade assets of like Claxton, I think has now, he's in a lot of ways, even if they lose him in free agency this summer for nothing or in a sign and trade, like I think he's too valuable to trade if he's playing like this. And yeah, so, you can't you can't lose you can't lose Dinwiddie for nothing. Like I don't know if the what we got for Jared Allen was commensurate with how with what his value is in the league. I mean, we got James Harden, but uh, <laughs> and and I don't think I don't think they could lose Claxton. Um, you know, uh, a third year in a row. No, I, I just can't see it. So, so the question is like. But I also think that you that you would sacrifice possibly losing Claxton for nothing if it meant keeping Claxton because I think he's now become like too valuable to this like what he's shown even in only I think he's only played like twelve games for them and he started only seven. Yeah. Like I think he's shown too much that you legitimately like cannot trade him. Like I part just... of part of him being back and being normal because he hasn't been his normal self all season. Him being back is a part of the reason why why Harden is back, which is why I feel like he'll start. He, right. For Harden to be Harden fully himself, he needs a Capella. He needs uh, um, a Dwight Howard-ish no, <laughs> type dead. thing. He needs someone to throw lobs to. So, my, so I guess my thing is like, so like if they need to, if they want to get, so basically it seems like we're at the point where I would be surprised Although I think me, you, I think the entire Podthorn team is more open to trading like one of the rookies who have played well to get something for me. It does, but it does seem in a, like in a lot of ways that they have a lot of pieces, but they're they're also in that classic Sean Mark spot where it could be good if they combine some of the pieces to make the rotation a little bit smaller and just get someone who's a little bit more quality. This is something we talked about. Me and you have been talking about this for every year we've done this podcast together. Like, there's, there's, there's always a lot of solid guys, but it's like, how many guys do I actually trust to play big minutes in a game on ABC? And how replaceable Bucks? is that guy? Right, and so, and so the question is like, who would, who could they give up in a deal? Who has value? And like, and who would they even be willing to give up? Because I think basically, if you go through the list, it's like, obviously the big three aren't going anywhere now. The, uh, I don't, I don't think, I mean, Harris is hurt and I don't think he's getting traded even with Mills. I mean, me, I, I always thought, and I think you said this also, I thought Mills was Harris insurance for how Harris was playing, but I think they want to have both of those guys. So they're both staying like LaMarcus and Blake have very little trade trade value anyway. And they're both older and they're on minimums contracts anyway. So you can only trade for a minimum guy. Like, I don't know how much value Bruce Brown has around the league. Bembry has now become really important, and he's also on a minimum. Like, it basically seems like they would have to trade, like, rookies and or Claxton because they have no picks or Bruce Brown. And I just don't know. I don't know if they're just going to have to play the buyout market again and maybe they don't get anything. But I am a little nervous because I don't know. They have a lot of names, but I don't know how many guys they actually have who are, like, Oh, I feel confident. I feel confident in them playing in a in a playoff series because because there just is a difference. I mean, look, we saw with Steve Nash. A lot of Nets fans have lamented about losing Landry Shamit, but like Nash didn't trust Shamit to play in a game where Harden was on one hamstring, Jeff Green was hurt, and Kyrie and Kyrie was out. Like, yep. it having guys that are playoff ready is very different than winning a game against the Magic 
at three o'clock at the Barclays Center on a, on a on a Sunday. Like there. And just, if you have Shamit, you can't play Patty. Right. So like it's like I just don't know. The question, I guess, but just a long-winded way of saying it is like, how many playoff ready guys do they have, and and how many people will Nash be able to trust? And like, is there even a move? for them to, to make like to me, the most obvious guy to trade seems like it's Bruce Brown. I just have no idea how much value he has across the league. Not much. Yeah. Like not much. Not Dude, that's a, yeah, we're not going to untangle that one tonight, but when does Kyrie come back? What kind what game, what game on the schedule do you think Kyrie comes back? If you need to look at a schedule, I'll go first. No, I think I I think it's gonna be the the I think the Pacers one is first, but I think it'll be the Bulls one. What is that? The twelfth. Yeah, I think I think the Pacers one. He comes off the bench, and versus the Bulls, he starts. Welcome yeah. back, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I'm so hyped, yo! I just I just want to torture teams. Um, I didn't. I want to send the Bulls a message. I really do. I want to send the Bulls a message because uh, they've been talking shit. Well, at least their fans are. I'm just hoping we'll be able to see him uh, at Barclays this year. Don't hold your breath. We're Pod Thorn. Peace. Pod Thorn. Pod Thorn. Pod Thorn. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.